when you confront death at age 22, everything changes. It got me thinking about what I wanted to do before I actually die, because life is unpredictable. Can you relate? I'm Kiki Kelly, and this is my story. My friend Amy Hallberg thought I should share some of my stories with you. She'll be joining me here. Some are hard, some are funny, and some are just unbelievable. But they're all true. So here we are. Season 3, Episode 4. Tales from an Inadvertent Bucket List Champ. Last episode, it sounded like your life was pretty much perfect. Yeah, it's amazing how um, some people have roller coaster lives and how quickly perfect can go to the exact opposite. And in my case, future ex-husband's business was going very well, very, very well. You know, during our trip to Switzerland, family trip to Switzerland, Lisa and I had gone across the Zurich, say, Lake Zurich, to Kusnacht to go see the Carl Jung Institute. And I got the application, and I was so excited, and, you know, the deal had always been that future ex-husband would start this business, but then I would sell it, and, and he wanted to be the primary caregiver, and we'd live in Switzerland, and Lisa was super supportive and she was like you know I already know the international school Maddie can go to and we can find you guys an apartment it'll all work great and he can be the primary caregiver you can go back to school well one day we're in the kitchen and he says I don't want to go to Switzerland and I I was just like there was no Jung Institute anywhere nearby and I was like, huh, okay, well, I mean, what can you, what do you say to that? It was just like, I was devastated. But I didn't know what to say. I mean, he... And that was totally out of the blue, right? You had no hint that it was coming. No. And then we had been trying to have a second child because if you can have one, why can't you have a second, Right. Right. And so we ended up going to an infertility specialist. You know, I just thought maybe I needed a little help because by now I'm, what, you know, my late 30s. And she says, well, we're going to do an ultrasound of your ovaries. Think of it as a chocolate chip cookies, and we're looking for the chocolate chips, which are eggs. So, you know, she gets the ultrasound equipment going and, and says, oh, honey, there are no chocolate chips. You're empty. So I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. I have no eggs left. Oh, God. There's nothing you can do. I was also diagnosed with early onset menopause. So my hormones were really messed up. And um, and I assumed it was just that. But I also was just really having physical troubles. I was tired all the time. I... Started getting really depressed. You know, I, I, I just assumed it was because of the loss of the Jungian dream and not being able to have a second child and everything, but it was more than that. So I kept going back to the Mayo Clinic on my own because future ex-husband was busy with his work. 
he now had two partners. One was a CEO and one was like chief technology officer or something. And he was constantly going down to Rochester where we'd once worked at IBM. And they are people that I knew that we had both worked with before. So I was going all by myself to the Mayo Clinic, endocrinology and, you know, everything. I had an MRI. They found a, a five millimeter tumor near my pituitary gland. So really in there. Like in your um, brain. Right. And then my calcium came out way too high. And th there was this little Italian woman that was the only one that figured it out. Before that, it was like doctor after doctor. And they were like, we have no idea what's wrong with you. And she figured out that it was a parathyroid tumor. So the parathyroid looks like a butterfly. You can imagine like the four butterfly wings. And one of those wings was a tumor that had gotten so big and heavy that it had fallen underneath my breastplate, the sternum. And so they wanted to set up surgery. They were like, well, because it has fallen behind your sternum, we're probably gonna have to open up your breastplate. And I'm like, oh, isn't that ironic? Because from my, above my belly button all the way down, I've already been cut open. And now it's literally gonna be my entire torso. <laughs> right. Right? Oh, well, in the meantime, future ex-husband and I have our wedding anniversary. And while we're there, we go to Lake Pep in the Harborview Cafe where he had proposed to me. But this time it's different. There's there's nothing that that we can talk about. And I never wanted to be that couple where you're you're just staring at each other across the table and you have nothing to say. And all of a sudden he gets a phone call from his CEO and he lights up. Mm. And all of a sudden he's excited. And I'm like, oh my God, we have that marriage. He's married to his job and... Which is kind of ironic because what you had said right after you found out that you were now barren was, ah ha ha, you're leaving me for a younger woman. And yeah, actually he I left trying, you. I was trying to joke around. Um, because I was like, you know, I was really upset. And I'm just like, well, I suppose you'll leave me for a younger woman now. That would be the stereotype. Instead, he's leaving you for his job. First, yep. Yep, so we've completely grown apart. And he's just focused on the business. And I... Wait, have... So, like, all this time you're going down to the Mayo Clinic, he's not there? Not once. Not once. So, <laughs> so I'm supposed to have surgery, but instead I get a call at three o'clock in the morning from my mom saying that dad has, you know, isn't going for emergency surgery, that he's got ischemic bowel and which means that like, I think it was like three quarter of his colon was dead. Oh gosh. And it was a really, really serious emergency surgery. So, you know, I call my siblings, my sister and I go down and, and meet mom, bring her coffee. And dad has to go through the same stuff that I did where he has the external appliance oh. and he has to go back and get re, you know, resected. So <laughs> this is my stepdad and yet he's having the same exact experience that I had at age 22 when I had almost died and right and he's a lot older and yeah and so in the meantime my mom 
had a planned surgery because she was developing degenerative joint disease and um, needed fusions in her um, spine in order and she was in a lot of pain so dad had his surgery then mom went in for her surgery in the meantime my sister and I took turns um, taking care of each other's kids and the other one would go down and help mom and dad down in Mankato which is an hour and a half away so we did that for the fall into the winter and in the meantime I put off my surgery until 2010 the beginning of 2010 so there's this miserable Christmas, absolutely miserable Christmas, because we're now separating. We've gone to a marriage counselor once, and the marriage counselor tells me, I don't know what future ex-husband told him, but the marriage counselor says to me, and I don't know if this is unusual, or because I, I was like, wow, I didn't think anyone would say that, but he goes, he will never meet your needs. You have too many facets and you, at this point, you have nothing in common. So it was basically like you're heading, heading for a divorce, right? And, and I'm like, whoa, okay. So then Christmas is coming and it's just miserable. Thankfully, I invited my brother and his girlfriend who will become my sister-in-law later. He's brought his little girl who's the same age as Maddie and, and you know, we pretend. We make it as happy of a Christmas as possible for the girls. And, you know, my brother was truly happy because he's met his future love of his life wife. And in the meantime, my life is falling apart, quietly, slowly, and then there's a, a blizzard. But Megan and I drive very slowly to church to go to the midnight service. And I just prayed and prayed that somehow my shattered life would just be somehow put back together. Yeah. And then I wouldn't die from these tumors because my little baby girl was already terrified. Did she know what was happening in your family? Well, she knew that Nana and Papa both had surgeries and had been really sick because I had to go and take care of them and so had Auntie Tia. And then she knew I needed a surgery. And, you know, as I was going off to anesthesia, I'm on a gurney and her little chubby hand is, she's five years old and she's holding my hand. And she says, Mommy, don't die. And I know I didn't know what to say. I have a tumor in my brain and a tumor. It's behind my breastplate. But I told her I wouldn't. And I hoped that that was true when I was praying. And luckily there was a, a, a an Iranian woman who was a resident at the time and she she suggested she had long slim fingers and she suggested you know please let me try and dig out the tumor so that you can cut it with so that you won't have to have the breastplate opened up and she was able to do that and so it was a miracle it was a miracle in and of itself and I didn't take any painkillers because I wanted to get out of there and I started immediately walking. I only used aromatherapy and I was out of there with less than 24 hours. So she changed the entire course of the rest of your life. Yeah, and little did I know how much I would have to do with Iran later. But this was totally different than my previous surgeries and I was going to be just 
fine, except that it was a different cliff we're jumping off of because what do you do when you go through a divorce? You, you just, it's one of those things like grief that you don't, you just can't anticipate what it's going to be like until you're there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tales from a Bucket List Champ. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with friends. Our sound editor is the talented Will Kui. Our story editor and producer is me, Amy Hallberg, and our writer and executive producer is Kiki Kelly. We'll be back next time with Episode 5, Kiki Falls Apart. Until then, what's one item on your bucket list?